0: upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Hi,
2: I'm Kemi Charrier. And I'm Monica Ainley. And you're listening to Fashion No Filter, where we sit down with some of the lead creatives, strategic thinkers, and emerging talent around us to interpret the ins and outs of the fashion industry today.
1: Welcome back to Fashion No Filter. By popular demand, we are bringing you round two of our question and answers lockdown episode. Thank you for all of your great feedback and for sending us a whole nother round of burning questions, which we cannot wait to answer. Just a reminder that we are leaving our donation links open in the show notes, which are important to check anyway, because you'll be able to follow up on everything we recommended on the podcast. Internationally, we are donating to the World Health Organization and in France, to Côtége ton soignant, which we care deeply about. So check those out if you feel like you want to contribute to the efforts at this time. But of course, if you don't feel like you can right now, we completely
2: understand that too. And thanks for tuning in. So Kemi, how are you doing since we last spoke? Good. It's Friday, um, 5pm, and I don't understand why I haven't got a glass of wine to do this. (laughs) We could do that, you know. We've never done that, have we? I know. Maybe we should do a drunk episode (laughs) or getting drunk. Tipsy. A slowly progressing episode. I definitely have noticed that my alcohol consumption has gotten quite alarmingly high throughout these these confined days. But what, I mean, of course it has. What else are you going to do? I mean, it's so... Well, you say this, I've heard stories of friends of mine doing ju- juice cleanses and no. People are doing juice cleanses right now apparently. I'm I'm glad you're as shocked as I am because I was that I'm I can't think of anything worse. On top of everything, you know when you when you're doing a juice cleanse, not that I've ever managed to do one for more than about 5 hours because then I just get incredibly grumpy and have a have a tantrum. Exactly. I did one for half a day. Zach, what was more than that? You just feel dizzy? I just remember um, starting a a cleansing, juice cleanse or whatever they're called, and then angrily shouting at you at 12 o'clock that I was on a juice cleanse and I couldn't possibly get any work done because I couldn't concentrate. And I'm going to have some lunch now because this is just awful. (laughs) It only lasted a few hours. I don't know if you can remember. And I was so relieved when you decided to have some chicken. But yeah, maybe we should have a glass of wine with the next, uh, with the next show. It's something that um, I don't know. Uh, I've never had to record a, an interview a little bit tipsy. could be interesting. I think it'd be quite fun. Maybe we get our boyfriends involved. Would you like that? Yeah. You know what, dear listeners? You tell us. Do you want us to do a, a lockdown cocktail special with our boys? Uh, We can ask them what they think about fashion. Now that would be a good episode. We can ask them, but
1: I feel like, I feel that Mark has a few questions about my fashion choices or the fashion world in general sometimes. And I would also like him to perhaps share them with the team.
2: This is quite good. I think we should also get um, listeners to write in and share some funny or crazy stories they've experienced with their partner who doesn't understand the language of fashion and would want to share with us. And maybe we could read some out. Yeah, it's a great idea.
1: Okay, so first, though, let's get down to some fashion news. Breaking fashion news this week. I was pretty uh, taken aback by the Sun announcement.
2: Taken aback in a good way. yeah. I was.
1: Although I guess in the last episode, we'd been wondering whether big changes were actually going to end up
2: happening. So I guess there's your proof. That's your answer. So for anyone who doesn't know, Saint Laurent has decided to drop out of Paris Fashion Week and set its own pace for showing collections for the duration of the year. And it's going to pivot to adapt to the coronavirus crisis and has said they told WWD, Santa said in a press release to WWD, Conscious of the current
1: circumstances and its waves of radical change, Santa has decided to take control of its pace and reshape its schedule. Creative director Anthony Vaccarello said the violent impact of COVID-19 outbreak, which has forced the closure of most of Santa stores, meant business as usual was not an option. Chief Executive Officer Francesca Bellatini hinted that the brand, famed for its spectacular outdoor women's catwalk shows set against the backdrop of the Eiffel Tower in Paris, could still stage a physical show at some point this year, but is favouring formats that are more intimate and closely aligned to the final customer. Mm, What do you think that means?
2: It's such big news, I think, that a house as respected and that does such a exceptional job or certainly did such an exceptional job for its uh, shows has decided to to step down because that's a, a really, really positive meaning that others will feel other smaller brands will feel like they can do the same without it sounding like their brand is in an unhealthy state. Because I feel like a lot of people will be worried about uh, the way they look to investors and stuff at the same time. as yeah. um, So that's also something to take into consideration when you're canceling a big show and if some of the big names are doing it, it gives a lot more room um, for others. I mean, the Row has also said that that's what they're going to be doing next season, and I yeah. think this is a really positive outcome. I do
1: agree that like brands moving away from the long lamented, very second place fashion show schedules is a good thing. There is part of me that worries that. With brands as big as Saint Hong, if they're off schedule but still in Paris, people are still going to... Maybe I'm completely off the mark with this, but people are still going to fly to Paris from other places to see that. But they're saying they're not showing. Well, are they saying they're not showing? Yeah, they said
2: they're not doing a show. Could still stage a physical show at some point this year. Yeah, at some point means one show instead of like the fashion week schedule, which is basically th- yeah. at least three shows because that's two women yeah. or, two, or four shows, two women's and two men's, which is from going from four to one is a big step. It's a big step back.
1: Totally. And I'm totally in agreement with that. But I just worry that everything is going to become cruise collection c- competition E yeah. where all the big brands compete to have a more extravagant Location or timing or whatever and then we're all just going to have to be on airplanes all the time in random directions and if that's what's going to happen I would just rather we stick to the fashion week schedule because at least you just take one flight and then you go to Paris and you see all the shows you know that's the devil's advocate
2: yeah but bear in mind that that's if international flights have resumed which for the time being it it isn't the case and brands will not have healthy budgets like they used to to fly people around Mm on a whim as much as they used to. And I feel that, for for example, a brand like Saint Laurent, it would make sense to host an event of some kind in the form of a show or something else every year yeah. in Paris because that's where the, the house is located. And, and you do have to find a way to promote and, and showcase what the designer is creating. Oh, certainly, certainly. So there is, you have to be able to allow for some kind of format I think it's positive to see that it's going to be less than, than it was. And I really like the idea of rethinking a system that was so wrong. But yeah, I agree with you. Until we see what the outcome is exactly, we can't really speculate, can we?
1: Yeah, no. I also, you know what? It occurs to me that some of our um, listeners might not, you know, be on the fashion week circuit. I feel like I'd love you to go into a little bit. I know you're really clued in on this stuff as well. What about the fashion calendar is and has been so wrong for so many years, but especially in recent years? Can you can you speak to that?
2: You kind of just touched on it. I think the competition for each brand to do bigger and better viral, basically, shows has become completely out of hand. Plus the fact that there are an increasing number of brands, increasing number of people wanting to attend shows because it's good for positioning or like People just want to be seen there rather than because they're actually, you know, helping promote the the show itself. Um, and I right. also feel that we, we we talked about this before. It's always Fashion Week somewhere. And whereas there used to be only one week for each city, it's now become so long. And there's men's and couture and cruise and then all the minor fashion weeks like Copenhagen and Berlin and, and all the others that I can't think off the top of my head right now. But I know there are loads of them do we really need a show format in an era which is increasingly digital and when actually sitting front row at a show would only be important if that show really is a, a proper added value to the brand? I think partly because of how exhausting it has become for everybody and by everybody, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about people who really work super hard during that time. So the buyers, the, the brands, i think you worked super hard during that time yeah but i at the end of the day i'm just there to report i'm not there like i I feel like there's a lot of pressure during those those busy 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 times and having so many shows back to back over a period of a month that then reoccurs two or three times in a year and where every single time you have to travel to a different city and and attend just an absolutely absurd amount of events and shows and parties all in the name of promoting a brand and it just turns into a ridiculous exercise, which is actually quite, just quite cringe. And especially after everything we've gone through um, in in the last few weeks, I think it would be quite distasteful to return to that. Exactly. Would it
1: even be appropriate? I mean, and and I will just add something, the other issue with the current calendar that I really have, and this is going to sound basic compared to all of the other, you know, moral issues, (laughs) and environmental impacts. But it's also just that uh, I can't remember a single thing that happened at the end of that month. Yeah. (laughs) And surely that is counterproductive. (laughs) Like, my husband will, like, will will lie there at night and be like, so, like, tell me about what just happened. I'm like, um.
2: Yeah. You've just seen Kanye West perform, but you forgot about it, basically.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And and a million other things that you yeah. would never dream of.
2: Um, no, but speaking of the future of fashion, um, since we are speculating, I have a question for you, which I'm sure, um, because I know that you are much more grown up and chicer than I am, <laughs> who has no, abysmal hit taste. Me, hit me! I'm so curious. I want to know if you've gone anywhere near TikTok, and I'm sure you haven't. But have you? How can you be so sure? No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, I
1: have, I, to be honest, I don't even know what the app looks like. I know from a mile away. Okay. For a project recently with a brand that I absolutely love an Italian brand. They asked me to do a Snapchat filter in an Instagram story. Like it was part of the project. And I had the PR who luckily is a friend of mine and is very patient. On the phone for at least two hours trying to explain to me all, how to download.
2: I do not. Yeah, you're not the tech. You're not the techie type.
1: No, I should do this stuff. And I'm not poo-pooing it. Like, I'm not that bad. I set up this microphone. You know, I'm on the program. I feel too old.
2: I feel too old to be on Snapchat. And and we are, we are. And I just want, the reason I wanted to ask you is not because I'm trying to to sort of catch you off guard. It's because I feel the same way about TikTok as I think many people felt about Instagram in the beginning in that it is something Mm -hmm. bubbling, bubbling, bubbling and about, I mean, not about, it has blown up, especially in the last few weeks, obviously with the pandemic, in an incredibly, massive massive way and the interesting thing is I mean the reason I know that I couldn't find you I wouldn't find you on there is for the same reason that you don't watch things like um, Love Island and all the crap that I thoroughly enjoy is that the content on there for the time being is incredibly lowbrow very entertaining really funny silly generally sort of up to sort of 6 to 15 second very short videos uh, with kids either dancing or lip syncing. Yeah,
1: yeah, sorry, exactly. We need to take a step back here. Can you explain to me what it is
2: like you were explaining to your mom? So that's what, yeah. So basically it's an app where <laughs> in the same way as Instagram, you share videos of yourself, but it's inc- the, the app is incredibly well-made in the sense that you can edit a video to make it look like you, you're disappearing, reappearing, synced up to music, almost like a dance video. Like it's 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 incredible. Okay, so it's kind of make your own music video. Yeah, or, but not necessarily music, but most part, yes, it is. And the interesting thing is the algorithm is so different to that of Instagram. When you're used to the way that Instagram promotes content like we all are, It's very difficult to get your head around. I posted a few videos on there to try and see what would happen. And one of them... You've been posting videos on TikTok, Kelly. Oh, yes. Of course I have. Oh, my God. You're leading like this double life. Yeah, no. And actually, um, between you and I, there's an incredibly hilarious video on there that I got my boyfriend to do with me. I was hoping he would let me share it on Instagram, but he is... He's really <laughs> embarrassed by what I made him do yeah. and has made me swear not to t- to take it anywhere else. But on on uh, TikTok, it's had over 50,000 views, even though I don't have a single follow on there. And I don't know how people are finding me, but they are. My point is the app is very, very creative and silly and provides a lot of light relief uh, at the moment. And I do agree that for us over 30s, it's not... That sexy to be like dancing about your living room when you could be doing more productive things. And I, although I think it's incredible for kids on there, and that I understand why. In the same way as we were so excited by Instagram when it came out, they would feel the same way about a new platform that is totally new, meaning that you're starting from scratch and you're not having to catch up with all these people that have got millions and billions of followers. And so it's a kind of a clean slate for a lot of people and a totally different mm. ball game because it's not showing the same kind of content. And as I said in my opinion, but that's perhaps me being a little bit snobby and snooty in the same way as people felt that way about Instagram and blogs in the beginning. I feel that the content on there for the time being is not very elevated in that it's very much kids in tracksuits dancing to... And by the way, I love it. Not saying that I don't like that, but it's not fashion. It's not what the luxury industry is looking for. But what I'm interested in, and this is what I was going to ask you, is do you think that our people fashion, fashion influencers, fashion brands, and other industry players are going to start migrating to this new platform, which seems to be growing so quickly that they almost would be mad not to. Well, I think it
1: depends what your shtick is, because people follow different people for different reasons. By the way, people who follow me will know that I have no problem whatsoever with a fun video. I love a fun video. But I think if you follow, you know, kooky, young, fun influencers, like that is probably a place that you're going to end up finding them. I think that if you, I mean, I follow a lot of people that are actually older than me, people that have been like editors for a long time or designers or I may completely take this back, but. The thing about Instagram is that it has created such a multilateral platform in that, you know, you have videos, you have words. There are people who are writers who are sharing on Instagram a lot of really good stuff, you know, and poets. My agent has just started representing a poet. Artists, you know, fine artists. It's as you say, the elevated arts right now have a place um, on Instagram, and I just don't see how that works.
2: I don't know. I th- I, th- I think I disagree with you. I think, but I've never been on TikTok, so I don't actually know what I'm talking about.
1: You know, which is maybe shows naivety on my part, and I should have gone on TikTok in- well, during the confinement in the past few weeks.
2: Oh God, no! Like it's a massive waste of time. <laughs> well, it's not if it's like going to define the future of the industry. The reason I think it will is because everybody said the same thing about Instagram in the beginning. Magazines were like, no one is ever going to migrate onto that. It's just not plausible as a platform it's not it's too it's too condensed they're not enough there's not enough space in a caption to get your point across and as the app has developed it's just shown that and i just think they've allowed for that yeah and i think we would not and by the way that i'm not saying that you need to join tiktok i i kind of actually agree with you i almost regret joining even though (laughs) even though i i no uh, regrets no, I know. It's just I, I do feel like it's very addictive in a very like you lose. You, it's like going on YouTube and suddenly you're down a rabbit hole of like a video of something that you God knows what you're looking at. And you're like, how have I got here? And it's like that. Well, I also
1: think that there was a point where there was a lot of talk about how everyone needed to be on Snapchat if you wanted to be down with the kids and how you needed to, to do a real audience. I mean, aside from that one project I've just described, I've never felt the need. Be on snapchat that is not me snubbing snapchat i think it's a great place for you know my little brother's on snapchat with all his friends apparently so he says i haven't checked he's also like not that much younger than me but it's like a place where cool slightly younger people are but i don't feel that i'm missing out on anything work-wise or inspiration-wise and so right now i have perhaps irresponsibly to myself put TikTok in the same category, but I may be wrong. Time will tell. Anyway, I'm glad that I've got you in there infiltrating as a mole and you can report back and let me know whether it's crucial for uh, our presence to be made.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can go wasting all my time and I'm very good at that. Shall we give some recommendations this week? I just want to preempt this by saying I have not read a single book this week. So I'm, I'm coming at you with... A lot less than I did last week because I just, this week has been difficult to concentrate and I just thought it would be better to be honest about that. For (laughs) shame. I'm just kidding. You've been, Kim. you've been discovering the secrets of TikTok. Yep, that is where my my hours have been spent. That's much more important. Is it? (laughs) You've been foraging into the future. (laughs) That's exactly right. Do you want to give us some recs before we get into the Q&A? I watched
1: one of the best movies I've ever seen. And it's along the same theme of Italian. Well, the last one was set in Italy. This is also set in Italy. It's called Cinema Paradiso. Uh, Probably a lot of people have already seen this film. I have not. It's a 1988 Italian drama written by, actually written and directed um, by Giuseppe Uh, Tornatory. And it stars uh, the French actor Jacques Perrin, who is just wonderful and very handsome. And it was the most... Have you ever felt nostalgic for something that never actually happened to you?
2: Uh, Harry Potter, that the world wasn't full of wizards? (laughs) Oh, yes. Well,
1: exactly. Well, I felt nostalgic for a Sicilian village childhood that I never had. I grew up in Toronto, definitely not Sicily, but I was incredibly moved by this film. And it also is a celebration of cinema and what cinema used to represent and and, and largely still does to a lot of people, but how it used to actually bring together communities in Europe and all over the world. Uh, And I think I'm gonna watch it a million more times Apparently, it just draws you in again and again at different points in your life. I had just been totally unaware of this movie. I highly recommend it.
2: I have got such a good recommendation for you, which I'm so happy about because I actually stayed up all night yesterday watching it so that I could report back on this podcast. (laughs) Um, Because I don't you you must have heard of this. Everybody um, has has heard of Normal People, the book. That was written by yes. Sally Rooney, exactly, and BBC. Although I'm ashamed to say I haven't read it. No, I haven't either. Have I you? haven't read it either. No, 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 I haven't read it. I've been weirdly, um, I do this thing sometimes when everybody loves something that I refuse to read it because I think, uh, I think I'm different to everybody else when actually I obviously will adore it. But I heard so many people um, raving about the adaptation for TV that came out this week or last week on the BBC. And I've double checked for everybody that's foreign because I know how maddening it can be when things are only aired on the BBC and you can't watch them internationally. But this is also on Hulu. So fear not. you can. Everybody can go and watch this after after you've listened to us but that's not illegal streaming but no 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 it's not it's you can it's just some, it's one of those it's one of the many places where you can stream oh you pay yeah you 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 need a you need a subscription but they've oh, got lots of really cool series on there so it, it wouldn't be a one off okay and, that's
1: that's okay then
2: sorry false alarm to be totally honest i thought i was going to hate it i don't know why i had convinced myself that it was going to be flat and boring and just Kind of like Marriage Story was on Netflix, just not really my cup of tea. Oh, you didn't like Marriage Story? No, I didn't like it. Um, I found it really slow. I didn't watch it because so many people didn't like it, or found it very depressing. So I haven't watched it. Yeah, it's not my. It's just not really what I want to watch in in a time when things are so bleak. This is about two young people who fall in love. It's the story of their first relationship, but it is complete. I don't want to reveal too much because the story is just so well-crafted and the dialogues are so beautiful and it's about, so this kid who falls in love with a girl at his school, but he, so he starts sleeping with her, but he doesn't want his friends to know, so he's keeping her kind of like his dirty secret, which is obviously really disrespectful and mean on his part, but on the other hand you've got this second layer where their intimacy is so beautiful and passionate and he is incredibly heartfelt and caring when it comes to Making sure that she's completely consensual in terms of the sex, which in an era post-me too is a very important topic to be covering when you're speaking of uh intimacy between uh young people. And it's ten episodes, each half an hour long. I binged watch six yesterday. It was I thought I was only gonna watch a couple just to be able to tell you whether I liked it or not, and I cried so much and think i haven't watched something so good in about i can't even remember and wow. i'm just so happy that i watched it and i really think you should too um i it's it's, you really it's beyond me. you're selling me on yeah. this it's really really good and it's two young stars daisy edgar jones and paul mescal are just quite frankly spectacular and one of my friends is in it seb Souza. so shout out seb like you do a fantastic job but yeah, I honestly, if if you go and do one thing this week, it's going to make you feel really just brings you back to your your high school days and your teenage years and then your, your university beginnings and how it was to sort of navigate flirting and the way you felt when a boy kissed you for the first time. Oh my God, go and watch it because it brings back everything you've ever felt. And it's so weird that it does that. And also it makes you have a very good cry, which again, in this climate is actually a really nice release. So there you go. Sold. Two great bits of nostalgia for you there. And
1: now... I propose that we move on to the moment you've all been waiting for, your questions. Da, da, da. Drum roll.
0: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year
1: in some states.
0: That plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness.
2: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, so
1: the first one, we're starting with a personal one here, which is quite cute. I'm going to say. A little, it could get a little cheesy, it could get a little emotional, it could also get nostalgic, (laughs) as that seems to be the theme of the day. How did you guys become friends? Lol. I mean, I'm trying to remember
2: my first, my first memory of you. Do you remember, what was your first memory of me? Yeah, we were each separately best friends with one half of twins. So you were really good friends with Becca, and I was very good friends with her twin Laura, and they kept on saying to us, you guys need to meet, you guys need to meet. We were, for each of them, their token fashion friend. You know, everybody has one friend that wears crazy outfits that they say are fashionable when everybody else just like, what, what is this absurd outfit that you're wearing? And I think people were just very keen for us to, to be able to talk about that so they didn't have to talk to us about it.
1: <laughs> but
2: it's also, I think,
1: I think that people are assume that you'll get on just because you're both fashion people.
2: But we actually did; it did work. The really funny thing about this story is that we realised that we had an ex in common, an ex boyfriend, yeah. and that was the real, the real bonding moment, wasn't it? Sharing stories of someone. Yeah, um, it really did bring us closer together. I, because we did meet before that, but we weren't, we didn't
1: actually necessarily kick it off because we were both. You know, at separate times, we've talked to you guys about this before in earlier episodes for long-time listeners, but at different times involved with this same guy, speaking of 21-year-old relationships.
2: So Maybe there you 23, go.
1: 324 And it's really funny because someone asked me when I didn't ask me anything on my Instagram a few weeks ago, what were your first impressions of Tammy Sharia? Oh, yes. And I was quite pleased with my response because it was very truthful, which was first thought, clever lady. Second thought, what a pair of legs. (laughs) (laughs) Back then, also, I mean, you still have excellent legs, obviously. But back then, you were like, in a really good phase where you always showed your legs. Yeah, you mean I was uh, very,
2: very short skirts at all times. Yep. Yeah, but it works. It works for you. So there you go. Twins and an ex-boyfriend. That's our happy ever after beginning. Yeah, shout out to the Connell twins who we're both still very close
1: friends with and now we're both friends with the other twin as well, which is cool. So it's like a big, happy (laughs) twin and fashion hangers-on
2: family. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next question, which is much more serious. So I hope you're ready for this. Should fashion be linked to politics with design sending a political message? Okay, first of all, I think that that's two
1: actually kind of separate questions. And I would like to address the first question or the first half of this question, which is should fashion be linked to politics? Because I think that there's just that itself opens up a whole world of potential analysis and answers, because I think there's so much positive and so much negative at once that comes with that connection. What I mean by that is... I think that we have a problem when female politicians, for example, are scrutinized for the way that they dress more than male politicians. I don't know if you would agree with that. That being said, I was thinking about this when I saw this question come in and it reminded me of one of my all time favorite. I'm about to go on a tangent here and then we'll come back to like current fashion. I'm warning everybody right now. Buckle up. It reminded me of one of my all-time favorite role models in life, in history, a fashion role model as well, but generally just a sort of feminist role model who is Queen Elizabeth I. So I'm quite fascinated by British history. I think that the Tudor period is particularly interesting because things really came together through a lot of drama. But Elizabeth I really used fashion to create a symbol of herself first of all just some background for people who don't know who you know i know not all of our listeners are british or or care about british history but not only did elizabeth the uh, maintain power in a very tenuous political position as a female ruler but she also never married or had children in, and that's how she did so she claimed the throne at 25 and ruled until her death 44 years later which at the time was a very very long reign and she was born a princess but then she got declared illegitimate because it was all the fights between the catholics and the protestants and she was protestant which was a brand new thing in england and during her reign elizabeth I, she finally got to the throne after her sister her catholic sister died and she established protestantism in england which you know is still the case the church of england defeated the Spanish Armada in 1588, maintained peace inside her previously divided country and created an environment in which the arts flourished throughout the Elizabethan period, all while looking incredibly fabulous. She famously maintained power and respect from her people through the symbolism of her clothes. And like, you can think if you've ever seen the iconic images of her with the wide, wide colors and the gowns and the, the many intricate um, jewels. It's the most startling and and the bright red hair. It's the most startling image of a monarch I can think of. And uh, she created that in herself because it was how she maintained power as a woman, which was practically unheard of. And what's also interesting is word has it. I mean, this is like historical gossip was that she wore these super basic like slip dresses when she was in private working or just with her ladies in waiting but then as soon as she was out in public she was always dressed to the nines she was never seen not done up like this and no maid in the court dared dress like fancier than her because the queen would call them out for it and they'd get banished from the court and it happened to one unfortunate lady once and it was a very famous story anyway all of this to say that i think that fashion that you can create a political iconography for yourself through fashion, and um, I mean, this was obviously a, a hugely feminist icon who purposefully did not marry or have children in in order to maintain total power over her throne. So that is a very long winded example. But I don't know, Kenny, how you feel about
2: like politicians and rulers. To continue in your in your feminist in your feminist discourse. Um, I'm sure you'll remember in 2018 the Golden Globes wardrobe blackout in observance of Me Too. You know, when all the actresses adopted the black dress as a means of proclaiming solidarity and and wanting to convey an important political message that this is no longer okay and that they stand in solidarity with all women to whom this has happened to and that things must change. So I think if we're referring to can. Fashion send a message, and we're referring to instances like that. I totally agree. I think it does, it does have the power to convey emotions and ideas, but it's definitely not enough. And 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 we could go into that question that we went into with Louis Prigent about the Dior show and whether you know just having slogans at the top of a at the top of a fashion show with like climate crisis and you know patriarchy equals CO2 is enough to in fact get people thinking about the political message and some will agree and some will not agree. So I mean, I guess that is the same as politics where everybody kind of has a different opinion. So I think it's a huge question. But yeah, I, uh, in my opinion, it, it's a yes. Yeah, me too. Let's move on. How is
1: the lockdown affecting the influencers? I love the way that this person has asked this question because for me, the influencers sound like kind of wild animals in a David Attenborough documentary. Oh, we are, we are. Which we obviously are to a large extent. But Camille, um, what's your first reaction?
2: I mean, s- influencers, I guess, are first and foremost people. <laughs> So I'm assuming that like everybody else, they are struggling and uh, finding it difficult to uh, get through this. I don't want to speak in everybody's name, but I have found this time uh, challenging both because my platform was always meant to be kind of light relief and uh, aspirational, a kind of healthy mix of things I loved and shared and then also things that I do. And since A, I've I've obviously, um, like everybody else, been confined to my space um, and also have been very, very mindful that everything you share at a time like this can be taken the wrong way. Um, And we saw a few examples of celebrities getting that very wrong. In fact, like, I think this might be the right time to discuss what that the something Navy blogger...
1: The Ariel Charnas.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly. Ariel Charnas, the... uh, who became the uh, the poster child for what not to do in a pandemic, basically, didn't she? I think that's kind of the the example of how it can go really wrong when you're an influencer, just used to sharing what you what you do, and then just not reading the room. Do you want to remind people what happened? Okay, so on March eighteenth,
1: Ariel Charness, aka Something Navy, who has thirteen million followers, and along with a husband and two children. Uh, shared that she'd been tested positive for COVID-19. So let's just like backtrack and figure out all the things that she kind of did that she's been so widely criticized for. So first, she, she took up a doctor friend's offer for a coronavirus test. Tests were especially hard to come by in New York, but they are in a lot of places and still are in New York. This is like widely known. You can't get your hands on a test. But Ariel shared that she was doing this. Uh, She also tagged the name of the doctor friend who was organizing the test for her. So it was all very, you know, I know the right people, I guess, is how people interpreted that. She had also previously shared that she'd been told she did not meet the criteria to get tested in New York State. So she's going against the state's decision here. It was obvious from the get-go that this was not going to go over well. In her comments section, people got really angry really quickly and on other online platforms as well. People were angry, um, like really angry. But at first, Ariel started defending herself, insisting she had paid for the test and wasn't getting special treatment. But then that became obviously untrue. So she issued a statement acknowledging, quote, how lucky I am to have that access. And then that's when she announced that she tested positive. So next, Ariel documented her family's trip to the Hamptons to get away from the city, which is like a real it was the American epicenter of the crisis. Many people were leaving New York for densely populated places, as people were from world capitals all over the world. But. Specifically in New York, Governor Andrew Cuomo had really strongly urged New Yorkers not to leave to their country houses and to shelter in place. So I guess people interpreted that as a bit of an open F you to the governor and the state. Uh, Next, she was criticized for posting photos and stories of herself cuddling with her children uh, when people felt she should have been keeping them at a safe distance. People also saw the nanny, her nanny in the background of a post and people worried this could be another ex- a potential exposure. She didn't seem very careful. Her husband also made a weird joke that felt really misplaced uh, to people about how quote only hot people get the virus. Uh, There's a big piece in Vanity Fair about this in early April by Kenzie Bryant who writes by the end, Ariel Jonas was a poster child for what not to do in a pandemic. flaunt privilege Parade ones apparently mild case while others are dying, fail the self- quarantine and leave the American epicenter of the calamity to endanger more populations. This has been picked up by innumerable other media sources and like social media so diet Prada, for example, yeah. have made
2: much of this um.
1: And really, really strongly. Criticized. But
2: it's not just them, because obviously, like if you if you're no. being written about by Vanity no, Fair in no. the New York Times is that you've really you've really done something wrong. I mean, they wouldn't be picking. Absolutely. I mean, she does have 13 million followers. Uh, I have to say, I really do. Um, I really do think her behavior was, quite frankly, really stupid and distasteful. I understand that we're all, you know, this is all a very scary time for a lot of us. And. The fact that she didn't even realize that, you know, just having access to a test or even having the money to be able to pay for one is, in fact, considered a privilege uh, in a society where the people that will be dying from this and suffering the most from it, are the ones who cannot even have access to to healthcare, or to any of that. So, I mean, that's only like the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? Because then she just, e- even with that, that could have been her only mistake, you know, getting a test when, when actually... They run so scarce and you're not you were not supposed to be tested. But then everything that she did afterwards was just just so stupid and Misguided. Let's go with misguided. Yeah, I don't know. Like I actually think it's I don't really want to be able to defend someone when they when they when they don't think about others at all. And 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 I I, I kind of understand what job she has because I have a similar Career, and I do think that sometimes you have to switch. No, I'm not
1: defending her. I'm not defending her. I'm just again with the like severe cancel culture. I can't with the cruelty. No, I agree, and that's what I was gonna say. Ariel's misguidedness is cruel to people looking at it who are in seriously severe conditions or have a relative that's dying or can't get a test. It's just as cruel to like publicly. Bring someone down in such a manner because they've made a mistake. I just think. Let he, without sin, cast the first stone on this one and no one knew what the heck
2: was going on or what to do. I
1: agree that she made some very poor. They
2: decisions. They did. There. They did know what to do. Like people, there were clear instructions from our government of what to do and what was allowed. And no, no, allowed. I mean and what just, to
1: do online. I mean, oh, nobody, what to do online. No, yeah, uh,
2: no. So, and I agree I with mean, you. I mean, loads of that... celebrities
1: made complete fools of themselves.
2: No, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. And I actually, that is what I was going to say, although I do think her behavior was foolish. If you don't want to call it, call let me call her stupid, because I agree that is rude. I think the mob internet culture that we have at the moment on websites like Diet Prada, where you rip someone apart, cancel them, insult them, try and take them down, call death threats, call them dead, you know, RIP, REL, it's horrible and not constructive. And I just wanted to remind everybody who is clamoring for saying things like, we hope that influencer culture is killed with coronavirus. And, and this is something I think people need to bear in mind that the only reason influencers have power is because they have an audience. And the only reason they have an audience is because individuals are following them. So if you feel that someone yeah. in, in your feed or around you on the interweb is putting out content that you find distasteful, out of touch, or perhaps tone deaf, like in the case of Ariel, I would suggest unfollowing, because the thing that can harm someone's power the most is just by not giving them the platform to be able to have such a strong voice. And I agree, people who are not able to adapt to a new situation should not have 13 million followers. Absolutely. The only way to change that is by taking your yourself to another place and, and, and using... Um, giving someone else a voice by, by following them and, and letting them, you know, like share whatever. It's the strongest thing you can do without making
1: yourself look just as bad by being a troll. It's just unfollowing. Agreed. And you'll get the message. Trust me, we notice. But just generally, Cam, I also wanted to see what your thoughts were on all of this sort of heralding in the press of influencer culture, you know, being near its death. It all seems a bit dramatic to me. Um, It also seems like convenient theories according to some, but maybe there is some truth. I certainly think that people are gonna be perhaps a little less inclined to just blindly
2: accept advertising. I don't know, what do you think? I don't know. I think people have been saying that influencer culture is dead since it started. And I don't see it going anywhere in a time when actually stay at home DIY methods of uh, communicating are so important because big productions and advertising companies are not going to be able to even like film even the film industry is having is going to struggle to put things together at the moment because everybody's having to sort of do it from the confines of their own home and uh, I think I'm hoping that influencer culture as we know it is going to change as in people who have mindless mindless content with no real message hopefully they won't have such a prominent place but again yeah. I am a bit of a septic and I do think that often the more commercial the person the bigger the following and um, I don't know like I've been really impressed by some of the younger super influencers out there like Kylie Jenner who is obviously like not necessarily always been a role model for you know, her generation has been donating so much money and I don't know I just feel like there are ways in which you can influence for a positive way throughout this and Ariel clearly read the room really wrong and I'm yeah I just I just think that hopefully things will will change from now on
1: yeah and and I'll add one thing to that which is that I personally I don't know about you but I I'm noticing more engagement on my account than ever before. So
2: yeah, hundred percent, thirty percent. It's increased.
1: Yeah. It's increased thirty percent apparently.
2: So there you have that.
1: Okay, Kat, me a bit of trivia. What are the three pieces from your wardrobe that you wear the most and can't live without in quarantine? Oh, in quarantine, God, that's a curveball. Yeah,
2: I added that because I think I we want it to be relevant for right now. Shall we not? Okay, so I think that would be a really nice pair of leggings. A cashmere turtleneck. Give us are you gonna give us brands? Do you wanna give us brands? Oh, should I, I do I need to give brands? Okay. Here. Okay, so a um a live the process legging, pair of leggings, because I love how comfy they are. A Regina Pugh turtleneck, because I am really loving her new collection at the moment. She, they sent me yeah. a a wonderful this happened and I love it. And finally, uh, I'm gonna say a chunky necklace because i have find days a bit repetitive and to have a nice something nice around your neck really really beautiful cool um mine well i love
1: when i've done a fresh batch of laundry and all of my amazing worked in slightly beat up Current Elliot super soft loose fitting t-shirts are clean and I can wear them again because I have them in every color. And for me, they are the best possible t-shirts. I also love wearing gold sign relaxed fit denim in normal times, but I have particularly enjoyed wearing the gold sign jeans during quarantine because they're really comfortable and the fit is great, you know, because... Sometimes I just want to pop out to the grocery store. Uh, but I, But it's also it's more than that. I've been trying to get dressed in actual clothing during the day. I am that person wearing jeans in quarantine, by the way, who people have been making fun of on Instagram. <laughs> but only gold side jeans. No. Um, and then for pajamas, because I do wear a lot of those, as everyone who follows me on Instagram is all too aware. <laughs> I love all the silky Pajamas, is a big thing. I've banged on about this a million times. Asino, London are really good. And Loic, friend of the pod, Loic Prejean did a great quote the other day on his Instagram uh, about someone saying, these are actually my day pajamas. And then later I'll change into (laughs) my night pajamas. And I have been known to
2: do that because as you know, I'm a collector. I love that. That's really sweet. What's next? Oh, this is a good one. Bit of fetch the tea. What is your opinion Ooh. about Andre Leon Talley's memoir and friendship breakup with Anna Wintour? Ta-ta-ta. Okay, this is kind of the fashion
1: teapot, you know, of the quarantine period in my humble opinion. I just cannot get over how dramatic their breakup has been. Uh, having been at Anna's side, this is all American folk, right? So Anna Wintour, editor in chief, Andre Leon Talley, who has been working with her for years and years and years. And is this also this incredibly eccentric human being who I've just been fascinated by for a very long time. And now there's this whole added layer of this sort of major feud that's apparently been bubbling up. It's so sad. It's really sad, but also. It's like, so Devil Wears Prada, you just can't, you just, I, there's something about me that loves that it's real. But so I I went for a little wander on the a Andre L. Talley uh, Instagram account to get to know him better and also to see if I could track down this feud and how it's developed. And, you know, I scrolled back to 2017. He doesn't post that often, so it wasn't hard. And... There's a photo, a sort of blurry, smiley for once, smiley photo of Anna Wintour. And he writes, the Dame Anna Wintour silhouette with all her dazzling medals in Michael Kors raffia embroidery at the residence of the British Council. She is my friend to the end. That's in June 2017. Now, let's fast forward to his post from this week. About with with and the photo is the cover of his new book, uh, "The Chiffon Trenches," Andre Leontali, a memoir. As one of the great French literary writers, Jean Cocteau said, "Astonish me." I hope my new memoir, "The Chiffon Trenches," will astonish all readers. I went into the deepest core of my being. My memory is intact. It is a deeply personal story of a life well lived within the world of fashion. In all of its most glamorous and cutthroat moments, I have communed with the greats. And I am thrilled to announce the publication date by popular demand is May 19th, 2020, pre-order. And then he gives the link, which uh, I invite you all to do if you want more drama. But what I just really think is interesting is not only is he like setting up the bomb he's about to drop, but he also... Likes to make sure that we know that his memory is entirely intact. So none of this is BS, which I thought was an interesting touch. <laughs> because the, the The Daily Mail recently leaked um, what he says about Anna Wintour. And it is not nice. So basically, to, to summarize, he feels scorned by Wintour, uh, who he claims dumped him for being too old, too overweight, and too uncool. Oof, it's really sad I hope it's not true uh and then he goes on to talk about her lack of kindness well I mean okay I hope it's not true also you know magazines are tough places and people do eventually get replaced this does happen and you know
2: I also think that sometimes editors-in-chief have to make d- tough decisions okay but, but uh, you you can you can you can you can let someone go while remaining their friend I know that's tricky it's easier said than done right. and obviously it's all in the manner that you let someone go but to know that someone who's worked for so long and that their friendship has been so strong and that this is how they're ending things so publicly and, and quite childishly in a way. Like I think sometimes even if things are so bad, why do you need to go and tell everybody? But I suppose he's very, very hurt. It's difficult to speculate. I don't really want to, I don't really want to, I haven't read what he's about to say in the book, but I think it's not good for Anna's reputation to have all these people come out and no, throw her such a dragon. Right. And I must say, I do think that when so many people have the same story, there probably is some truth to it. And it is true that people that tend to be at the very, very top for so long tend to be quite cutthroat. That's just the name of the game. You don't stay at the top.
1: Do you think that it has to be that way, really? Do you think that you can't stay at the top
2: unless you're kind of like... I don't know. Obama seems to be doing a great job. So not everybody. But I do think not to get there. But I think when you really hang on to your throne and you want because because Anna could have stepped down like she doesn't have to stay the editor in chief of Vogue. at the same. You know, she's been doing it for so many years. She could easily give the place to someone else, someone younger. But not saying she should, by the way. I'm just saying that she wants to remain in that position of power. And sometimes hanging onto your throne means that you are having to, yeah, as you said, make some very difficult decisions, which will deeply, Mm. deeply upset the people that you've worked with for many, many, many years. So God knows what actually happened behind closed doors. I can't imagine they both seem like big personalities. So I'm sure there are two sides to the story and I'm sure there was Mm. um, a lot going on on both ends. But I do think more than anything else that it's so sad when two people that have loved each other so much, Um, publicly, suddenly like hating. It's like watching celebrities go through a big divorce. It's always quite heartbreaking, I think. I agree. Well, be that as it may, I
1: will be following the link in his uh, (laughs) Instagram.
2: So keep us updated on that, Monica. I'll keep you updated on TikTok. Perfect. Okay, last question. Um, For each Fashion Week city, if you could only attend one show for the rest of your life, which would it be and why? Let's make it quick. Great question. Your top city and show. Ah, this is,
1: but this gives me a lot of anxiety, okay? So just know that this is not easy for me at all. But I've just done my first reaction, okay? New York. Ooh. The Row. Wow. Well, you're fucked. Yeah. Because they're not doing a show. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I know. So, I know. London. I've got to, I ha, this was really hard, but I've got to say J.W. J. Anderson. I mean, just blows me away, his creativity. There's nobody like J.W. Anderson. No, I agree. Milan, I'm, look, Milan, it's got to be Prada. I mean, mutual Prada, she's she's an icon. She's the, for me, she's the greatest fashion icon to come out of Italy in, 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 of, of, of her generation. I mean, Prada. Yeah. And look, Paris, I mean... I okay here's the thing when you go to the Chanel show for a first time it's like you understand a fashion on a different level than you did before because it's just this whole next it's this whole next level of detail and of French fashion and of history all wrapped up in one and it's not to say that I think that every look is perfect and I want to wear every single I mean I love a lot of it but there's just some you really feel like you've made it when you're when you, when <laughs> I love that you when admit you go that. To Chanel. so I don't feel like I can and and I, and I also I you know I I love I love the house of Chanel I think that it's I think it's really interesting it's linked to French history and French creativity and and you know I've been you and I have been together into the into the 10 years, and I'm very attached to to the way that they maintain tradition there so it's a it's an
2: obvious answer but you know it's obvious for a reason i'm just going to preempt this but i could easily just give all the same answers and you because i think you've got a point on all of those but i'm going to try for like to make it Interesting, yeah. not do exactly the same ones. For New York, Mark Jacobs, because he makes me cry every time I go to one of his shows. And that's so rare for me. I don't normally get emotional. So I just, yes. I think he's a showman. And I think fashion needs sh- craft and show showmanships. I can't speak. <laughs> showmanship. Showmanship. <laughs> showmanship. Yeah. So that would be my number one. For London, I think I agree with you. And I've tried to like turn that around in my head to give a different one. But for me, I agree. It really is JW. It's just so bloody fabulous. And last show was just out of this world. Fabulous, but
1: intelligent. It's so intelligent at the
2: same time. Um, Milan, I unfortunately have to say Prada as well. I, there's just no other answer. Uh, this is interesting. That we, I wondered if we'd give the same answers. Yeah. Prada for me, I agree with you, Mute is just there's just no one like her uh, never will be, or hopefully there will one day, but I don't think that's anytime soon. And for Paris, although I do agree with you on Chanel and um I would never miss a Chanel show if I could help it. I would actually want to say Jacques Mus because his shows have kind of become mm-hmm, yeah. such a burst of joy in a in a in a time when things are so repetitive and similar that I actually um, feel like I would never want to miss anything that he's got to say because it's always so different. So that's a bit millennial of me to pick him when he doesn't have the history. I don't want to miss the Jacquemus show now. Too late, This
1: is a really mean question. And I almost resent the fact that we've had to answer it because I mean, look, look, now in London, I've said JW and now I can't go to Erdem.
0: You know, Oh it's all God!
1: Just a How bit could shit, we forget? It? Ooh, that's rude of us. No, but Erdem in the portrait gallery with the Harry Potter portraits, looking at the fashion, the moving portraits, and then the fashion becomes the portraits. It's pretty fabulous. Let me say one thing: this does show that we do enjoy the fashion show as we know it, and we, for all of our ranting and raving about Fashion Week, we are having trouble you know, narrowing down all of these wonderful Fashion Week shows. So, you know, it's a, it's a complicated
2: question. It is. And on that mind twist, I think it's time to go and get that glass of wine that we were raving about at the beginning (laughs) of this show. I definitely need one. Thank you so much everybody for tuning in for another lockdown special. We hope this week. Thank you entertaining and um, a little bit of light relief for whatever you're doing at home this week. And once again, thank you to Vistia Collective for helping us put this together during a time like this, and we hope to see you next time. And uh, we'll link everything that we've been talking about in
1: the show notes. If you want to read up on them a little more or find our movies and books and articles. So that should keep you entertained for a little while longer. Stay strong, fashion no filterites. See you soon.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?